Check, one, two, check. Good evening, and I want to welcome you to another uh, live edition of the uh, Trumpet Series Bible Study Broadcast. This is your host, Brother Nick Bailey, and uh, you're probably saying, long time no see, and to that I would say amen. It is good to see you, uh, and for those of you... Um, who've been missing us, and I hope all of you have been missing us. It is so good to be back with you today on this November 22nd, 2021 Monday as we broadcast live uh, from the United Baptist Church Auditorium. And it's been several days since we've been able to host one of these um, programs and uh, obviously there's a reason for it as we've been right in the middle of our uh, first ever art community revival and banquet which took place last week and it was a, a resounding success and I appreciate all the prayers that went, went out on behalf of um, the art community revival and banquet. I will say this, I'm uh, dog tired tonight as it's been a very very busy time and then we went straight out of the um, uh, the revival and banquet and uh, right into Sunday morning and Sunday night worship here at United Baptist Church and uh, boy what a wonderful day of worship we had yesterday here at the church as we were so blessed to have recovery soldiers ministries with us out of uh, Elizabethan Tennessee and and boy those Fellas just uh, blessed us tremendously with their testimonies of uh, how God had broke the chains and had uh, changed their lives. And uh, what a blessing and an honor it was for United Baptist Church to, ho to host the Recovery Soldiers Ministries uh, on uh, Sunday morning. And boy, uh, you talk about electric from the beginning to the end of the service. The power of God was with us before the Recovery Soldiers ever got up. Um, we had a couple of young girls in the church that got up and sang, let me tell you about my Jesus and let my Jesus change your life. And if you've not saw that, you need to go to our, um, to the United Baptist Church Facebook or YouTube page and you need to watch yesterday's service. As from the beginning to the end, it was just, again, um, charged with energy. The Holy Spirit was with us and we all left yesterday's morning, uh, yesterday morning service talking about what God had done. But boy, I do appreciate you being with us tonight. And uh, again, I forgive, uh, forgive me for coming to you later on this evening rather than earlier during the day, but I've had a busy uh, Monday. There's um, just a lot, a lot taking place and going on right now. But what a wonderful week this is as we have officially started uh, Thanksgiving week 2021, and I don't know about anybody else, but I sure am excited about what is my favorite holiday of the year, and that is Thanksgiving. And I don't know, but to me it seems as if Thanksgiving has not been as commercialized as some of our other holidays have. Of course, you do have Black Friday that um, occurs right after Thanksgiving, but still, I love this holiday in spite of the fact that the liberals are doing everything within their power to attack it. As one liberal foolishly said over the last couple of days that, uh, that uh, Thanksgiving is nothing more than, the, than whites, uh, um, white um, supremacists 
that they are um, actually cel celebrating genocide. And isn't that terrible? Isn't that foolish to think that uh, the liberals would actually try to um, undermine, uh, you know, the spiritual holiday of Thanksgiving that we're thankful for the blessings of God and try to, you know, try to um, portray it and view it to be something that is uh, that uh, that is viewed to be a genocide, a genocidal act of, of the whites. I guess against the Native Americans is all I can think. But whatever. Again, I don't know about you, but I'm thankful uh, for Thanksgiving. And it ought not to be a one-day-per-year observance, uh, but it ought to be an everyday celebration, not just Thanksgiving, but thanksgiving. Amen. We ought to live every single day that God gives us here on earth with an attitude of gratitude. As we thank the Lord for every one of the blessings He's bestowed uh, upon us so freely and graciously. Um, boy, I, I'm, I'm sorry if I seem distracted. White supremists, that's it. Uh, for whatever reason, I was having a hard time getting that, and the devil was using it to distract me, how that, again, the liberals are referring to Thanksgiving as a, as a celebration by white supremists uh, of uh, genocidal act actions against the Native Americans. So, again, foolish uh, jargon and uh, just a bunch of nonsense propaganda uh, that's vomited out of the mouths of the liberals and the leftists. But again, it seems uh, like forever since our last episode of the Trumpet Series Bible Study broadcast, we spent the last week or so again involving ourselves in the Ark Banquet, the Ark Community Revival, and I just want to send out a thank you to everyone who uh, helped us make the Ark Community Revival and the Ark Banquet a success. It was a resounding success. Appreciate uh, my board members, Brother Josh, Brother Dylan, and Brother Jason that helped us, and then their wives that worked overboard. Yes, ladies, I'm including you, and um, you know I'm having to force myself to include you in, um, in um, the words of appreciation and gratitude for all the work you did to make the Ark Revival and the Ark Banquet a success. Boy, we had some good food. And let me tell you, if you're looking for a good caterer, I would highly recommend Critter's Corner in Malsheim. Uh, Critter and the gang, they do a wonderful job. Man, I ate. I got an early start to the Thanksgiving festivities as I ate some of the most tender turkey I've ever put in my mouth on Saturday evening. But um, uh, again... Let me just say a couple of words. I've already mentioned the Recovery Soldiers Ministry. If you're looking for a group, looking for a minister to partner with, or even one you'd like to sponsor as a part of your church missionary program, uh, I'd highly recommend the Recovery Soldiers Ministries. Brother Josh and Sister Marley are doing a wonderful job reaching those by, that are bound by addiction with the life-changing power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, as far as announcements are concerned, I want to begin promoting another exciting event that's coming up early next year, January 29th, at the Gatlinburg Convention Center, where there will be a Voice of Hope crusade that's going to take place at 5 o'clock p.m. Again, that's at the Gatlinburg Convention Center. Voice of Hope, uh, Brother D.R. Harrison uh, is going to partner with uh, Brother Greg Locke, Dr. Kevin Jessup, the Neelands, the Browders, and of the day, and the Wilmington Celebration Choir will all be a part of that um, crusade. I believe that will be the first crusade that Voice of Hope 
he is, um, he is uh, sponsoring, so uh, be much in prayer for this and make plans to attend this uh, first ever uh, crusade by Voice of Hope Ministries for the D.R. Harrison and their entire team. I want to mention another event coming up. A dear friend of mine, Brother Greg Lentz, will be having a youth winter conference that's going to occur December 27th through the 30th, uh, 2021, uh, you know, the last week of, of the year, uh, in between Christmas and the new year. And this will occur at the Ventures of Faith Camp in Lake Park, Georgia. Again, that's Brother Greg Lentz and uh, the Calls uh, Youth Ministry. He's got a great lineup of preachers scheduled, including Dr. Joe Arthur, Dr. Chris Hayslip, Brother Heath Williams, and Brother John Burt. Uh, along with others. So if you're a pastor and are interested in sending any of your teenagers to this event, another a youth conference down in uh, Lake Park, Georgia, uh, contact myself and I'll try to get you more information on that upcoming event. A couple of prayer requests before we get into today's Bible study. Remember Brother Oscar Ward, one of our church members that's uh, in, uh, in the hospital, his, his prognosis is not good. Remember Oscar Ward and his family. Remember Brenda Roberts and her husband who has esophageal cancer. Remember a young lady by the name of Charlotte that I met at the hospital the other day as she, um, uh, amen, um, um, amen, is um, uh, autistic. Excuse me. Boy, I tell you, my mind is thinking slow. I think I'm mentally fatigued tonight. But again, remember Charlotte that is dealing with autism. And then remember a dear friend of mine, Rex Hobson, that's also in the hospital at Laughlin. And then a friend of mine by the name of Gail Felton, who is in need of prayer as well. Let's, let's, let's pray and then we'll get right into tonight's Bible study. Father in heaven, we thank you, God, for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for another opportunity and privilege we have to gather in this place. And God, I thank you for every viewer and every listener, God, whether it be on uh, Facebook by way of YouTube or podcast. Lord, I pray that you would bless today's Bible study. Lord, bless today's episode of the Trumpet Series broadcast. Lord, I pray that you bless the uh, preaching and teaching of thy word. Uh, God, I pray that you would use me tonight. Lord, I pray that you would uh, guide my thoughts, guard my lips. Lord, I pray that you'd give us all uh, ears to hear, eyes to see, a heart to understand, and give me a mouth to speak thy truth tonight. Lord, I pray that your word would not be a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. It would be the power of God. Lord, that it would not return unto uh, us void, but it accomplished the job you sent it forth to do. God, uh, I pray that we'd be uh, uh, faithful doers of the work also and not forgetful hearers of the word only. Pray that your word might be a lamp in our feet, a light in our path, that we'd hide your word in our heart, that we might not sin against you. Honor your word, exalt your son tonight through your humble servant. God, if there might be one listening, God, I pray that they might be saved by thy amazing grace. We'll praise you for who you are and what you do. In Jesus' name we pray and ask these things. Amen. All right, the last time we met, we covered a section of chapter number four in Romans um, where the Apostle Paul, Romans chapter number 4, where the Apostle Paul continued to use Abraham as an illustration of how sinful man is justified by faith rather than by works and not according to the deeds of the law or the law of the flesh. 
And specifically, we considered Romans 4, verses 14 through 17, where the word promise is used on numerous occasions to show how that Abraham's faith was rooted, grounded, and built upon the promises that had been given to him according to the Word of God. And we're going to notice some examples, uh, some examples of specific promises that God gave to Abraham uh, along, the, uh, along uh, the way of life's journey that Abraham uh, anchored his faith to and he built his faith upon the foundation, the sure foundation of the promises of God. I'm thankful for those exceeding precious promises that God has given to us who are saved. We need to build our lives upon the promises of God. Amen. We need to, to, to find us a promise uh, of Scripture and we need to hold on to it and we need to stubbornly hang on to that promise regardless of how strong the winds of life may uh, blow or the waves may crash against our lives. We concluded our last study uh, here are these middle verses of Romans chapter number 4 by showing how that we Gentiles along with the Jews are all a part of what verse 16 refers to as the faith of Abraham and how that we who are saved also have the right to refer to Abraham as our father along with the Hebrew people. I'm sure that that herlet, the, the Jews uh, of Paul's day who took so much pleasure in the fact that they viewed themselves as being Abraham's seed. Uh, they believed that it was their, uh, their privilege and their right uh, to refer to uh, Abraham as their father, the father of the Hebrew nation. Uh, amen. They viewed themselves as, as being on some uh, uh, higher level and that God somehow favored them over and above other uh, groups of people. But today I want uh, us to see how that, uh, uh, again, not only the Jews, but also the Gentiles. We can uh, refer to uh, Abraham as our father, and we are a part of what the Bible refers to as the faith of Abraham. Look with me today. Let's begin uh, noticing verse number 17. Let's read. All we're going to get covered tonight are verses number 17 and 18 of Romans chapter 4, where the Bible says, as it is written... Um, I have made thee a father of many nations, before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were, who against hope believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. So Paul here, beginning with verse number 17, and continuing on down through the remainder of the chapter, really just does a wonderful and masterful job of describing the greatness and the magnitude of Abraham's faith. Friend, if you're looking for uh, the perfect example of faith uh, that is found anywhere in the Scriptures, uh, Abraham is the greatest of all examples. There are other wonderful examples, many, many of whom are included within the realm of Hebrews chapter number 11, uh, the heroes of faith section of the Scriptures. But yet, Abraham is the greatest of all examples of faith. But yet, the timing of God is always perfect, and I used these verses to form the groundwork for a message I preached at our church a week ago this past Sunday morning 
as well as on the night I preached during last week's Art Community Revival. I'm telling you these verses from verse number 17, Romans chapter number 4, verse 17, continuing on down through the end of the chapter are very, very powerful verses that are just uh, absolutely jam-packed with uh, truths and principles that we'll find helpful to our lives as Christians. Well, let's begin tonight by noticing what uh, I want to uh, refer to as an initiation. An initiation. Uh, verse 17, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Here Paul references another quote right out of the Old Testament narrative of Abraham's life, recorded for us in Genesis 17, verse number 5. And the Jews would have been, of, the Jews to whom Paul would have been writing to, they would have been very familiar with Genesis 17, 5, where the Lord revealed to Abraham that he would become the father not just of one, but of many nations, not just the Jews, not just the nation of Israel, but Abraham would be the father of many nations. You can reference, you can read Genesis 17, verse number 5 for yourself, and that's exactly what it says. And this went absolutely against everything the Jewish people had been taught about themselves as they had been led to believe that they were a part of some exclusive club or fraternity where God viewed them as being somehow superior to other nations and other ethnic groups. Uh, and Paul goes overboard throughout the book of Romans. We've already studied several instances of this where uh, Paul reminds uh, his readers that God is no respecter of persons. And God is not an elitist. God is not prejudiced. God is not biased. God does not favor uh, certain individuals over others. Amen. That's what the, the views, the, excuse me, that's what the Jews believed. And that's how they viewed themselves, as if they were, uh, they were elite and they were uh, special and that they were a part of some uh, uh, exclusive uh, club or fraternity. But friend, I want to remind you tonight that our God, He's not a God of exclusion, but He's a God of inclusion. Amen. He doesn't only uh, want a few people to be saved, but He wants all men to be saved. Uh, amen. This is, uh, uh, you know, God wants all men uh, to, uh, to come to the knowledge of the truth and to come to a state of repentance. Amen. Uh, amen. God, Jesus died for the world and any doctrine that portrays or presents salvation as being an exclusive offer and one that's only intended or meant to be given out to a certain kind or type of people that's wrong, and that is as contrary and against Scripture as anything possibly could be. Amen. When in reality, the Lord uh, clearly and, un and unmistakably presented the blessing that would be handed down by way of the giving of Abraham's seed to include many other nations and many other ethnic groups besides the Jews only. If the Jewish people would have only read and studied God's Word in a non-biased and an objective manner rather than one that was subject to their own biased personal opinion, they would have understood that the seed of Abraham was given not just uh, so that Abraham might be the father of one nation, but that he might be the father of many nations 
and that it would be through his seed that not only the Jews, uh, but all the families of the earth would be blessed. Amen. That's not just again revealed through the promise referred to here in verse 17. That was originally recorded in Genesis 17:5, where the Lord told Abraham, I will make thee a father of many nations, but also Genesis 12, 3, where in the very original promise God made to Abram when he called him out of Ur uh, of the Chaldees, he said that in thee, through thy seed, all the families of the earth would be blessed. And how did the Jews miss that? How could they have overlooked it? Well, it's not that they missed it, they just didn't want to see it. They wanted to do what a lot of people in our day try to do, and that is they want to twist and turn Amen. And spin the Word of God to fit their narrative. They want to, uh, amen, view God's Word as a buffet table. Amen. Take, what, amen. Take what they want, but leave the rest. You cannot view the Word of God in that light. How the Jews missed it, I don't know, other than to say that a lot of times we tend to be biased and prejudiced even in our own reading, studying, and interpreting of the Scriptures. We base what we believe on what we've always heard and what we've always been taught rather than what the Bible says. I think about what Paul said in his writings. He said that we ought to search the Scriptures daily to see whether or not these things are so. Amen. Don't base what you believe on what your preacher said or what your mom and daddy taught you or what your Sunday school uh, teacher or what your, what your particular church or denomination believes. Amen. Uh, measure it out and compare it against the Scripture and make sure that what you believe, what you have heard and what you've been taught all your life is according to what the Bible says and not according to the traditions of men. Amen. How many times are we guilty of being prejudiced and forming biased opinions uh, regarding our own understanding of the Scriptures? Can I just say to you tonight uh, that the reason that there are so many different ideas, so many different thoughts, so many different opinions, so many different beliefs, so many different doctrines and denominations, it has nothing uh, at all to do with the credibility of the Scriptures or the accuracy of the, of, the, of the Word of God. It has to do with man's inability or man's flawed ability to, to, to rightly divide and to properly understand the Word of God apart from the enlightenment and the enablement of the Holy Ghost of God. Can I say to you tonight that one of the reasons why there's so many different ideas, opinions, and beliefs uh, regarding what the Bible says and means is because many, many people are trying to interpret the Word of God based upon their natural understanding. In other words, they've never been enlightened. Amen. Uh, they've never been, their, their, their eyes have never been enlightened. Their minds have never been illuminated to truth. Paul said in 1 Corinthians that the natural man uh, understands not the things uh, of, the, of, of the Spirit of God, for they are spiritually discerned. You cannot understand the Bible. You cannot properly interpret or rightly divide the word of truth uh, on your own and by yourself without the help of the Holy Spirit. Uh, you need spiritual help to be able to interpret and to be able to properly understand the Word of God. And the reason why there are all kinds of different ideas and beliefs and doctrines and denominations is because we've got a lot of people uh, that are attempting to preach, teach, study, and read the Bible uh, having never been saved. They've never been born again. They're trying to... Uh, 
interpret and understand the Bible naturally, according to their own under, uh, their own uh, ability, their own natural ability to understand and reason out uh, doctrinal and biblical truths. You can't do that. That's why the writer tells us in the book of Proverbs, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. Amen. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Amen. You cannot understand the Word of God without the help of the Holy Ghost. You cannot understand uh, spiritual and scriptural truth unless you've been born again, unless your eyes have been opened up, unless your mind has been illuminated. And your eyes have been enlightened to the truth of God's Word. We want to read into the Word of God what we want it to say. And we want to put our own spin and our own twist on it rather than taking what the Bible already says at face value. Remember, as we've already said in another prior study, friends, no Scripture is of any private interpretation. And as human beings, we don't have the right to twist, turn, or conform the Word of God into a more convenient narrative and a more uh, user-friendly version that fits more comfortably into our lifestyles. I do not like that word version. We talk about versions of the Bible. That, that tends to, uh, to give me the impression that the Bible is subjective to one's opinion. You see, if there are many versions of the Bible... Uh, listen, can I say this? If there are many versions of what the Bible says, then that there are also many views regarding what the Bible means. Let me say that again. I believe that's for somebody not. If there are many versions, if there are different versions regarding what the Bible says, then, the, then, there, then there must also be multiple or many views concerning what the Bible really means. My, my. Amen. This idea of a version of Scripture means that the Bible may mean one thing to you and it may mean something entirely different uh, altogether to me. I had somebody that I'm very close to recently mention to me. He said, they, they said, well, you know, uh, that's your truth. No, my friend, it's not about my truth versus your truth. That's somebody who has been influenced by the doctrines of pluralism and relativism that have so infiltrated not just uh, secular society, but religious culture as well. In other words, the Word of God, the Bible, can mean one thing to me and, and mean something entirely different to you. And that the Word of God uh, or truth uh, as it stands and as it exists is relative to one's opinion. No, my friend, it's not about your truth or my truth. It's about the truth. And no scripture is of any private interpretation. We don't have the right to twist, turn, or conform the Word of God into a more convenient narrative, a more user-friendly version that fits more comfortably into our own way of life. Instead, the Bible says what it means. It means what it says. And when God says it, that settles it regardless of whether or not any of us want to believe it. Forever settled in heaven is thy word, O Lord. But I say all that to say that long before Paul ever came on the scene, God had already revealed to Abraham how that his plan regarding the giving out of a seed through Abraham, including a blessing upon many other people and nations beside the Jews only. The problem is the Jews were willfully ignorant towards it. They had blinded their own eyes and they had hardened their own hearts. And they had deafened their own ears towards 
the truth that God had clearly given out to Father Abraham. He said, Abraham, he said, uh, you're not just going to be the father of one nation, the Jewish nation, the nation of Israel, but I'm going to make you the father of many nations. And it's going to be through your seed, not just that one family of the world, not just the Israelite family or the Jewish family of the world, but all the families of the world would be blessed. But the Jews just didn't want to see that. They didn't want to recognize it. Amen. They wanted to twist it and turn it, and they wanted to create... Uh, amen, some elite fraternity, amen. They wanted to view themselves uh, uh, as being, uh, amen, uh, uh, on another level than the other families of the earth, amen. Now there's a separation. Verse number 17, and this is important, before him who believed. I'm telling you, it'd been worth the entire Bible study today just because of this one phrase, before him whom he believed. Verse number 17. Here the key word is before. And it simply means at a distance, across from, uh, from or out there on the horizon. In other words, when the Lord promised Abraham he was going to make him the father of many nations and that he was going to use him to be a blessing to all of the families of the entire world, he was not talking about something that was going to happen immediately or right away. But instead it was a vision of something that was going to happen out there in the distance and at a point somewhere in the future later on in Abraham's life journey. In fact, as we study not just Abraham's life, but also the entire Bible as a whole, we find how that much of the promise given to Abraham regarding the giving of the seed and how that the Lord would use that seed to be the father of many nations and to bless all the families uh, of the entire world we know that much of that promise was not even fulfilled during the, the, uh, the, the confines of Abraham's life, but actually did not occur until Abraham was dead and gone and a long way off the scene. Let me ask you, when did that fulfillment, when did the fulfillment of the promise given to Abraham, not just of the giving of the seed, but, but that through that seed, all the families of the world would be blessed. When did that fulfillment actually take place? It wasn't uh, merely through the birth, uh, through, the, through the giving of the seed, um, practically speaking, by way of Isaac. I want to remind you that uh, Abraham tried to help God out. He tried to manipulate and influence the situation by having a son named Ishmael uh, by way of his servant Hagar. And boy, that didn't that complicate matters, and we're still suffering from that foolish decision even right now in our world today. Amen. But yet God did give Abraham a son miraculously and supernaturally by quickening uh, the womb of his wife Sarah, even though she was a, of old age. She was barren. She was unable to have a child, but yet God quickened. He gave life to a womb that had previously not possessed any life. And God quickened the womb of Sarah and allowed her to have a son, but oh, that was merely a partial fulfillment to the, to the original promise regarding the giving of the seed. Yes, God gave the seed uh, to Abraham by way of Isaac, but it wasn't just through Isaac that all the families of the earth uh, were blessed. That didn't take place until uh, hundreds of years later when another man, another seed out of the loins of Abraham, amen, out of the lineage of Abraham and Isaac, uh, not just them, but David, 
the tribe of Judah. Amen. When a man named Jesus came on the scene and walked the shores of Galilee. Amen. It was not just through Isaac, but it was through Jesus that all the family of the earth was, were blessed by Abraham's seed. Do you see what I'm saying tonight, friend? I'm talking about hundreds of years that existed in between uh, a, a great span, a great distance, and a great span of time that stood in between and a gap that existed between the initial giving out of the promise and the actual fulfillment of the promise. That actual time when the promise itself was fulfilled, not just when Isaac was born, but when Jesus was born of a virgin hundreds of years after the promise was given out uh, to Abraham as is recorded in the book of Genesis. Amen. That's right. You say, and can I say that? That promise was not totally and, and completely fulfilled when Jesus came. But it's still being fulfilled uh, to you and I in our day. The world is still uh, being blessed. All of the families of the earth are still being blessed. Uh, amen. By the seed of Abraham uh, that was given not just uh, by way of Isaac's birth, but by the incarnation of Jesus when God was made flesh and the Son of Man, the Son of God was born of a virgin. Amen. But even exists and, and continues, has, has spanned the ages as all the families of the earth are still being blessed by Abraham's seed, Jesus Christ, even in our world today. So what I'm saying to that tonight is that there are often gaps, distances, and time lapses that exist between the giving out of promises that are made to us by God and the actual fulfillment of those promises that occur later on down the road in our lives or even after we're long dead and gone. You know, sometimes God uh, waits to fulfill promises that He makes to His people after those people themselves have actually died. In other words, He doesn't fulfill those promises to them personally, but He fulfills those promises later on to, uh, amen, to their lineage and to their heritage, those who are born of them and by them. Their children and grandchildren are actually the receivers of the promises. Amen. God used David to prepare the materials for the temple, but God used David's son the promise that was made to David was not actually fulfilled to him, but through his son and to his, uh, through his loins by way of Solomon, who was born of Bathsheba. Can I say this? I want the legacy of my life to be, to be blessing the lives of others even when I'm dead and gone. Can I say that again tonight? I want the legacy of my life to, be blessing, to still be blessing the lives of others even when I'm long dead and gone and off the scene. And just like Abraham, hundreds of years after I've done passed off the scene, I want others to still be reaping the rewards, the fruit, the benefits, and the dividends of the brief time I had to live my life here on earth. But friend, what blessings are you in danger? You listen to me tonight. What, danger, what blessings are you in danger of missing out on in your life all because you don't have enough patience to be willing to wait and endure the distance, the gap, and the time lapse that exists between many times, so often, that exists between the giving out, the original giving out of the promise, and the actual fulfillment of it. 
that has been made to us by God. And that's just the way God works. God, you know, part of the, 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 faith, the development of faith process, that's what God's doing. God is wanting to develop faith in us by proving Himself faithful to us. And part of that process involves time lapses, uh, distances. Amen. Uh, let me go ahead and give it out. Uh, uh, times of limbo where we are forced and required to wait and to maintain our faith and hope, still believing, expecting, anticipating, and looking forward to that promise that God give us, gave us actually being fulfilled. Bottom line, if you're not willing to wait out the gap, endure the distance, and press on through the silence, you may very well miss out on the special blessing God has waiting for you out there on the horizon and across the distance that is required in order for you to obtain it. What promise are you waiting on tonight to be fulfilled in your life or in your family? Amen. Has God uh, made you a promise regarding the salvation of your loved one? Are you going to miss out on the fulfillment of that promise because you're not willing to, to wait out the distance? Endure the distance. Press on through the silence. Are, you gonna miss, are we going to miss out uh, on experiencing revival because hey, we're not willing to patiently endure the, the, the limbo zone. That's right. Amen. That danger zone, that time, that is that span of time that is required and that is ordained by the hand of God where God requires us to wait from the very moment He gives us the promise in its original uh, state as it's made to us by way of His Word. We're not willing to wait uh, that time span from the moment that the promise is originally given out to the time that it's actually fulfilled. That's called the limbo zone. It's a danger zone. You've got to be willing to maintain your faith and your hope believing that in spite of the gap, the distance, and the limbo zone, God's still in His way, in His time, and according to His perfect will, He will fulfill His Word exact, exactly as He's promised and given it out to you. Now there's a vitalization. Verse 17, even God who quickeneth the dead. Aren't you thankful that the Lord quickens the dead? Hallelujah. And there's many applications we can make uh, to this. God quickened the dead by, by way of the resurrection of His own Son. Physically, God quickens the dead when He spiritually, when He resurrects our souls. We die to sin and we're raised, we're resurrected to walk in the spiritual newness of our uh, newfound life in Christ. One day there's going to be a physical resurrection. God's going to resurrect uh, our bodies and give us a brand new body that's fashioned like in His glorious body. But here when, when Paul refers to the quickening of the dead, I believe he is talking about the quickening of Sarah's womb and the life-giving power that came to Abraham's body even though both Abraham and Sarah were past the age of being able to have children. Yet with God, He didn't even view these things to be hindrances, obstacles, or limitations to His ability to work and move in Abraham and Sarah's life. Can I just say this to you tonight? God is not limited by the limbo zone. The limbo zone, that distance, that gap, that bridge, that wall, that giant whatever it is that stands in between you 
Amen. That time when God gave you the promise and the time when God actually fulfills that promise and makes it a reality in your life. God is not deterred by the limbo zone. God uh, is not intimidated by the gap or the distance or the wall or the giant or whatever it is that is standing in between the, full, the, the giving out of God's promise in your life and the actual fulfillment of it. Amen. Why? Because just as Abraham himself said to Sarah when she laughed at God's promise, uh, when God said that, you're, that He was going to give Abraham and Sarah a child in their old age, Sarah laughed. But then Abraham rebuked Sarah by asking her this question, Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is there even such a thing as an impossibility with God? And we know that the answer to that question is no. Is time even a factor in God's sight? Is the Lord bound by time? Is the Lord bound by distance? Amen. That gap, that bridge, that limbo zone that you're currently in, uh, that, you, that you, you feel as if you're just spinning your wheels in between the giving out of the promise and the fulfillment of it, is that a hindrance to God? Does He even factor that into the equation? And if the Lord's able to give life to a womb that is barren and lifeless, is there anything that our God cannot do? Obviously the answer to that question is no. There are no extenuating circumstances or factors that may arise or come into our lives that could ever put a cap, a limit, or handcuff on God's ability to work and move in and through us. These situations you and I so often view as hindrances, obstacles, and limiting factors to thwart and undermine the plan of God for our lives. I believe the Lord sees and views them to be nothing more than another opportunity for Him to show the might of His power and the magnitude of His glory to us and on our behalf. Amen. Amen. I'm thankful that even God is able to, He's even able to quicken the dead. Amen. He's able to give life to a womb that's barren and dead. He's able to resurrect the body of His darling Son. Amen. He's able to, to give life to your dead. He's able to quicken your soul that was dead in trespasses and sins. Is there anything that God cannot do? Amen. A creation, verse 17, and calleth those things which be not as they though they were. What a powerful statement. Hear the word calleth. Let me read that one more time. And calleth those things, verse number 17, Romans chapter 4, which be not as though they were. Here the word calleth means to generate, to produce, to bring forth, and to make something come to pass. And I believe the idea Paul has in mind here refers to God's ability to take those things which don't exist and to speak them to literally and actually speak those things that do not exist and make them transpire, come to pass, and come into existence. By this, I'm talking about a God who was able to speak the worlds into existence. Amen. Or as the Genesis account tells us, and the Lord said, let there be, and there was. What a mighty God we serve. What a powerful, omnipotent God. There are no limits to his, the dunamis power that he possesses. Amen. Not only to quicken the dead, but to speak things into existence by the infinite, uh, unlimited power of his word. Amen. 
God is able to say, let there be, and then there is. He spoke and it came to pass. A God who is able to take nothing and make something out of it. A God who does not need any tools, resources, materials, or supplies to cre create, produce, or generate anything. A God that's able to make a way even when it seems as if there's no way. Why? Because He's the kind of God that can call those things which are not as if they already are and as if they already do exist. But here's another aspect of this truth. From God's perspective, He views things that are still out there in the future from our point of view as if they've already occurred and as, as if they've actually taken place. There's no such thing as the future tense with God. God sees the future as if it already is. That's why when, uh, when, I, when Moses, at the, you remember when God called Moses to be the deliverer of His people at the burning bush. Amen. Uh, Moses um, sincerely asked the Lord, Who do you want me to tell Pharaoh uh, sent me to tell him this, to give him this message? And Jehovah God told Moses in those infamous words, He said, you just tell that old Egyptian king that I am that I am sent, sent you. Not I was that I was or I will be that I will be. But you just tell Pharaoh this, I am that I am sent you. The God, not the God who was or not the God who one day will be or might be, or could be, but He's just, I am that I am. Yahweh, I am. Jehovah, present tense. There is no such thing as the future tense with God. God does not see things within the limited span of time. God is not bound by time. One of our greatest enemies is time. Don't, don't you wish that that you and I did not live or operate with our lives within the confines of time. We are limited. As finite human beings, we are limited by the span of time. We operate within the boundaries and the restrictions of times, within the limitations of time. God is not bound by time. God is not limited by time. God is not restricted by time. God operates outside the boundaries of time. He does not see things in the past or future tense. He is always present. Amen. He views everything as if it is already transpired and taken place. Amen. Uh, amen. That's why He is the God in whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of a turning. That's why He is Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Hallelujah. I'm thankful today that we serve a God who is not bound or limited or restricted by the confines of time. Amen. What to us human beings may seem as if something that has not happened yet uh, to God, is some, it's something that has already transpired and occurred. An example of this is found in Ephesians 2.6 where Paul refers to we who are saved as already being seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. 
Or we might say that from God's point of view, it's as if we who are saved have not just been justified and are being sanctified, but in God's sight, it's as if we have already been glorified. We have already been, uh, we've already made it to heaven and we are currently, we have already taken our place at heaven's banquet table. Amen. That's hard for us to understand, but in God's, uh, God's eyes and from His viewpoint, it's as if we are already there. Amen. So going back to the word before, verse number 17, we looked at earlier in the verse, we might say that those things we see by faith that exist in our minds, across from us, before us, out there on the horizon, on the edge of the horizon, separated by a great distance or span of time, from where God stands, He sees those things as if they already exist, have already occurred, and have already taken place in our lives. That's why we can say that it's not a matter of whether or not God can or will, but to Him it's if He already has. And for the Lord's perspective, it's not a matter of if it's going to happen, but it's a matter of when it's going to occur and take place. Amen. Again. It's not that it might or may or will or could happen, but to, from God's from 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 from, the, from God's seat, the place that God is seated on heaven's throne, it's already come to pass. Amen. That's why we can say, and that's how we can say that faith is the substance of things hoped for, and the evidence of things we've not seen. And again, uh, ad libbing a little bit. Uh, taking liberty from Hebrews not just 11.6, but Hebrews 11.7. With Noah, he was moved by fear to prepare an ark by things that he hadn't seen as yet. Faith is the substance of things. Hope for the evidence of things that we have not seen as yet. But just because we haven't seen them yet doesn't mean they're not going to happen. Because in God's mind, they're as good as if they're already done and have already taken place. God sees things He's promised us as if they've already come to pass. Now there's an expectation who against hope, verse 18, believed in hope. Here we find at first what seems to be a contradictory statement. For the question we must ask is how can a person have hope during what seems to be a hopeless situation? And isn't that a relevant question? Isn't that a question that's very practical in our day to where you know, you and I who are saved, American Christians, living in a culture that seems to be crumbling and falling apart uh, at the seams everywhere around us. It's just chaos and confusion. Amen. We can look at example after example of crazy things going on in the world. Viewing Thanksgiving as white supremacy, uh, genocide. My God. Uh, amen, crazy fools plowing into Christmas Day parades and killing innocent bystanders with their vehicle. Uh, you know, it, you would, if we look at things for a natural point of view, it almost seems as if you and I are supposed to have hope in what seems to be a hopeless situation. Really? Exactly. Abraham had hope in what seemed to be a hopeless situation. And may I say to you tonight, friend, that if Abraham could have hope during what seemed to him to be a hopeless situation, then you and I can still have hope even during what seems to be a climate of hopelessness in our world today. Uh, amen. You can have hope 
in a world that seems to be hopeless, in a world that is void of hope. And that brings us to the difference between what it means to have hope versus what it means to have faith. We might say it this way, hope is a byproduct and a consequence of faith. Where there is faith, there will also be hope, but where there is no faith, there will be no hope. You cannot have hope without faith. You, you cannot possess hope until you first of all possess faith. Or how about this one? If you have faith, you will also have hope. But if you don't have any faith, you won't have any hope either. Faith basically means that we believe and have confidence that something is going to happen. Whereas hope means that we expect, anticipate, and we get excited about uh, that event actually taking place. Faith grounds us in our attitudes, but hope motivates us and calls us to action. Let me say that again. Faith grounds us in our attitude and in our conviction, but hope motivates us and calls us to a state of action. You say, preacher, how could Abraham still have hope even though he was in a situation that seemed to be hopeless? Very simply, Abraham's excuse me, Abraham's hope was a consequence and a result of his faith. And his faith was anchored to and grounded on the promise that God had given to him. And because Abraham believed what God said, he also expected, anticipated, and was excited about what he was convinced was getting ready to take place. Amen. And that brings us... And all this is interwoven and connected to each other, a realization, verse number 18, that he might become the father of many nations, which again is going back to the promise that God had originally made. Abraham's hope, amen, was connected to his faith, and Abraham's faith was anchored to the promise of God's Word that had been given out to him by the Word of God. <coughs> Excuse me. In other words, even during the time lapse that existed between the giving out of the promise and the actual fulfillment and occurrence of it, Abraham, Abraham had hope. He expected, he anticipated, he waited for it, and he looked forward to the event itself taking place in his life. And again, we might refer to that gap, that time lapse. We all already looked at this to a certain extent when we talked about, amen, that uh, promise that was before him or across from him out there on the horizon. But yet out there on the horizon, uh, amen, point A was the giving out of the promise. Point B was the fulfillment of it, but there was a gap. Amen, there was a distance. There was a time lapse between the giving out and the fulfillment of that promise. We will refer to it as the limbo zone. And when it comes to surviving and enduring the limbo zone. Does anybody know what the preacher's talking about tonight? I'm talking about not giving up, throwing in the towel, and quitting on our pursuit of the promise taking place until it's fulfilled. The secret and the key to surviving and enduring the limbo zone that exists between the giving out and the fulfillment of the promise has to do with us being able to maintain faith and hope until the limbo zone is over and the promise itself is actually fulfilled. The question is whether or not you will actually claim and receive the promise that was originally get, uh, given out to you. Will you be able to endure the limbo zone? And the way you endure the limbo zone, I'm talking about that gap, that distance. 
that time lapse that exists between the giving out of the promise and the fulfillment of it, will you be willing to endure the limbo zone by patient, patiently enduring it? Uh, amen. By being able to maintain your faith and hope. Amen. Uh, amen. Being able to continue to expect the promise to be fulfilled. Even though there is a gap and a distance and a time lapse between the giving out and the fulfillment of it. Will you endure the limbo zone? Will you maintain hope? Will you continue to anticipate and expect the promise to be fulfilled? And will you continue to maintain your excitement? Will you be moved to action? Amen. Will you be motivated to continue to live your life as if you are anxiously expecting and anticipating the promise to be fulfilled? Amen. And that hope is connected to the faith and the faith is anchored to and built upon the promise of God's Word. For Abraham, the limbo zone of Genesis chapter 22 had to do with the time gap, the time between where he lifted up his eyes and saw the place God sent him on top of Mount Moriah but Genesis chapter 2, it refer, he refers to that as Abraham lifted, his eye, lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar off. After the Lord had commanded him to take his only son Isaac and offer him up on top of the altar as a sacrifice to God. That's point A of the limbo zone. And then point B, the time where after he had actually gotten to the place, went through the valley, walked up the mountain. He had been questioned by his son Isaac. He carried Amen. Had to carry that wood. Had to carry all those resources. Amen. And Isaac began to question. He said, I see the wood. I see, uh, amen, uh, the altar. But where is the sacrifice? And Abraham had to endure the limbo zone, that time lapse, that gap, that distance, that wall, that giant, those questions, those fears, those doubts. Abraham had to endure the limbo zone until he reached the top of the mountain. And where at first he saw that place from afar off, now he saw it closer and closer until he got to the place. And then he lifted up his eyes and he saw that God had provided a sacrifice. God had provided a ram caught in the thicket, one who was able to die in the place of, in the stead of his only son Isaac. God provided. Amen. And even though from God's perspective that little ram was there all the time, and I believe that, for Abraham the danger in the limbo zone had to do with his ability to maintain faith and hope in God's promise. As he traveled the distance, the lapse and the gap between the place where he could only see the place from afar off versus the place he had to get to so he could see the ram caught in the thicket. The closer you get to the place, the more clearly your vision and your sight uh, the, the more clearly you can see the fulfillment of God's promise. Listen to what Paul said in Romans 8, 24 and 25, For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. If you can see it, it's not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for it? Why would I hope for it? Why would I uh, expect or anticipate something that's already transpired or taken place? But if we hope for that which we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Amen. Part of enduring the limbo zone. That, that place point a, going from point A to point B. There's a gap. There's a distance. There's a time lapse. There's a wall. There's a giant. There's something that stands in your way between the giving out of the promise and the actual fulfillment of it. The limbo zone. 
You say, preacher, how do I endure the limbo zone? How do I make it uh, from the giving out of the promise to actual fulfillment of it? Well, you've got to be patient. You've got to be willing to wait for it. And I don't know, by, with faith, or by faith and with hope, you've got, to be, you've got to patiently wait for the fulfillment of that promise as it has already been uh, promised to you and given out to you originally by God. Uh, by way of His Word, you've got to be, you've got to patiently wait for it, and you've got to do so, and you, by by being able to maintain your hope and your faith in the fact that in God's way, in His time, that promise will be fulfilled. Amen. With patience, we do wait for it. Romans eight twenty five. In other words, you got to endure it. You got to wait for that which we cannot see, hoping, anticipating, and expecting. It to appear on the horizon at any moment. And our hope is connected to our faith that is anchored to the promise God gave us concerning whatever it is we are patiently waiting and enduring the limbo zone for. In other words, even though we've not yet seen it, we still believe it's out there just getting ready to appear over the horizon at any moment. I am reminded to a wonderful, glorious experience I had this past summer when my family went to uh, on vacation and we were at the beach, yes, crucify me if you want to, but sometimes I go to the beach on vacation. But the very first night that we were there, they were forecasting a full moon. And we knew about it. We, we read about it. You get that? We read about it. And because of what we read, we put our faith, in what we read and what we were told regarding the fact that at a certain time that night, a full moon was going to rise up and appear over the horizon out there on the ocean. And the closer we got to the time that that moon, that full moon was supposed to appear. I've got a video. You could go back on Facebook and put up and watch a video I posted of this. The closer we got to, to the time, we believed in what we had read regarding the appearance of that full moon that was supposed to occur at a, a specific time. The closer we got to that which we were looking forward to, that which we were expecting to take place, the more excited we got, the more we, uh, amen, our eyes began to look out there just over the, the horizon and we we were looking for just a little ray of light as evidence that that full moon was getting ready to appear. And we continued to wait. We stood there and we waited until all of a sudden just a little ray of light appeared. And all of a sudden the, the scenery there as we looked out over the ocean, it became, began to brighten up and we could all of a sudden begin to see the little ripples of those waves that a few moments uh, earlier had been nothing but total darkness. And, uh, and about 30 seconds later, things began to, to, become, to brighten up and to become more clear. And all of a sudden, we began to see, uh, amen, just a, a little peak of the moon as it rose up over the ocean. And the higher the, the, the moon got and the more clear that light became, the, uh, the more clearly we could see uh, amen, the ripples in those waves and the brighter. And almost there for, uh, amen, there came a point in time when that moon got to a certain place up over that ocean as we waited. All of a sudden it was almost like it was daytime and you could see clearly. 
out there over that ocean where just a few moments earlier earlier was total darkness. I can't think of a better way to illustrate the point I'm trying to make. We endured the limbo zone. We endured that time of waiting, that time lapse, that gap, and that distance as we fixed our eyes out there over the horizon onto something that our eyes could not see, but we believed that it was going to be there because of what we read. And what we heard was going to take place. And the closer we got to that time, the more excited we got. And the more we began to anticipate and look forward to it. We didn't lose our faith. We didn't give up. We didn't quit. We didn't lose our hope. And because we stayed and we endured, we patiently endured that time of waiting, that limbo zone. That time lapse and that distance and that gap between the giving out of the promise and the actual receiving of it. Because we patiently endured, our faith became sight as we viewed one of the most beautiful, glorious spectacles I've ever witnessed. And that's a full moon rising up over the, over the ocean on a clear sky at the beach. The foundation, verse 18, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. This goes right back. To that which we just said, how that Abraham's hope was connected to his faith. His faith was anchored to the promise God had given him concerning the fact, not just that he would be the father of many nations, but also that through his seed, all the families of the world would be blessed. But again, I want to remind you that practically speaking, Abraham never got to see the fulfillment of that promise. Don't get me wrong, he did get to visibly witness the supernatural quickening of the womb. Sarah's womb, as it was brought to life, it had been dead, but it was made alive. And he also witnessed the miraculous giving of a seed by way of his son Isaac being born. But the truth is Abraham died before he saw the ultimate, complete, total, and final fulfillment of the promise God gave to him. In fact, I'd go so far to say that even in our world today, thousands of years after the promise was first given out, you and I are still witnessing the constant and progressive fulfillment of the promise that was originally made to Abraham as it is occurring right now before our lives. God gave it out thousands of years ago when He told Abraham, He said, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. And it's going to be through your seed that not just one, but all of the families of the earth are going to be blessed. And we are witnessing, we are still watching and witnessing thousands of years after the promise was given out, we are still visibly witnessing the fulfillment of that promise occur right before our eyes as men and women are saved by the seed of Abraham that was given by God, offered up on Calvary's cross in the form of Jesus Christ our Savior. My point to this is even if I die before the promise God gives to me is actually fulfilled, it does not nullify or erase the fact that one day in God's way and according to His perfect timing, every promise He's ever made will be fulfilled to the very dotting of the I and the crossing of the T. That's why it's so important for me to leave a lasting legacy so that the Lord will continue to fulfill promises He's made to others through my life even after I'm dead and gone. But again, it's all about the connection between faith and hope and how that our hope must be connected to our faith and how our faith must be anchored to and, and, and founded upon the promises of God's Word. 
Because without hope and faith, it will be absolutely impossible for us to be able to endure uh, the distance and the gap and the time lapse and the limbo zone as we patiently wait for the promises God originally gave to us through His Word to be fulfilled. But I want to remind you that God's Word is forever settled in heaven. What God says is settled. And it's going to happen no matter what the devil may try to do to thwart or hinder it. It's as good as done. And in God's eyes, it's already come to pass. Father in heaven, we love you tonight. Thank you, Lord, for another edition of the Trumpet Series Bible Study Broadcast. Thank you for this program. Thank you for this opportunity you've given to me to preach the Word of God, to teach the Scriptures. And Lord, help us all to endure the limbo zone. Help us to patiently run our race, to be willing to fight our fight, to finish our course, so that one day our faith will be made sight. Lord, you've given us some promises. They're exceeding. They're precious. They're great promises. And God, help us to to hold on to them tenaciously. Help us to grit our teeth that we wouldn't let them go no matter what. As the winds blow and the waves crash over our lives, as we wander through the, the limbo zone of this world. But God, I pray that we'd keep our eyes on the horizon, just waiting, God, for the promise to be fulfilled. Help us not to lose faith. Help us to not give up hope, Lord, but help us to be moved, to be called to action, Lord, to be motivated by the hope and faith we have that one way or another, every promise that you've given to us will be fulfilled completely and accurately according to the Word of God as it's given out to us. Lord, I pray that tonight's edition of the Trumpet Series Bible Study Broadcast has been a help and a blessing to some viewer or listener. And we're going to trust that and claim that according to thy word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a good night and God bless.